you've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen and celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Hi, I'm Jane Liu from Channel 10's Shark Tank. This is so cool to have you in the studio. I think I met you when I got to come to the set visit for Shark Tank. And what did you think? And I loved it. Oh, yeah. But I was fangirling so hard over oh. you because Shopo, oh. oh, my God, you dress me every single day. Yes. Oh, my God. Love you for it. Thank you. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome. This is so exciting to have you. Let's talk about Shark Tank first. Mm-hmm. So, Give me the elevator pitch for what we can expect for this brand new cast, this brand new season of Shark Tank. Oh, my God. It is so exciting. There's, like, such a diverse um, bunch of businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, It's literally you just, you know, even by the end of the filming towards the end, I was like, I didn't know what to expect because sometimes, like, people come in and I'm, like, I'm a very, like, it's so bad. I judge a book by its cover sometimes. I'm just like, sometimes I look, not not people, more the pitch. Uh, if you, I look at the set, I'm like, this doesn't look very interesting to me at all. Uh, and just, I'm like, I'm not getting into this industry. And then by the end, I'm fighting the other sharks for it. And I'm like, I'm literally fighting them. And I'm, I'm in my head, I'm like, what is happening? What am I doing? But it's like, I'm like, wow, actually, it's the, the entrepreneurs are great. The pitches are great. And then... um yeah. And, and oh my God, the other sharks are so fun to work with as well. It's literally like, especially I would have to say getting a front row seat to the Robert Herjavec show. <laughs> he is like the most entertaining person. And I feel so privileged just to like work with him and just watch it up front. And I just, yeah, it's, it's all, it's a roller coaster of emotions to show. Um, it's, there's, there's a business element and there's a very big entertainment element. So I think there's something in it for everyone. When you first got this initial call, what did you do? Like how on earth did you get this to become a shark in Shark Tank? Oh, uh, I was, I didn't believe it because, well, I mean, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't want to out my producer, Gemma. I think she, um, she's also a new mom like me. So she probably was just having baby brain, but she actually made a typo in the email <laughs> And she wrote shark tanks. I'm like, it's a spam. You know those phishing emails? Like all my whole, like literally phishing P yeah. P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Yeah. My whole team yeah. gets emails from like then they're from Jane Lou, but then the email is like like XYZHG at gmail.com saying, Oh, can you do me a favor? I need some Apple um gift cards. So you know those emails that we're getting it was at a time when we're getting a lot of those. So I'm like, someone's trying to prank me with shark tanks. <laughs> And then I was, <laughs> sorry, Gemma. <laughs> but yeah, no, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was because I previously have spoken, like other shows have approached me and I'm like, no, it's not for me. It's not like, I, I you know, I don't want to be like, I guess a, like a contestant because I, <laughs> I, I just don't, I can't, I can't see myself. I don't know. And I was just like, the only show I would ever do is Shark Tank. Not thinking that you know, it would even be possible because it was off air and it was already, you know, so yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when it happened. You manifested that, babe. Yeah. That and is even so when, cool. Yeah. And even when it happened, I'm like, no, they probably have like a million lists of people to go through. So it's like, who knows? And then when it, like, it wasn't, 
Oh, I was pinching myself the whole time. Yeah. I can't believe that the only show that you would go on would be Shark Tanks. Tank, sorry. Tank, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, so, so cool. And then the other sharks that we have as well, because there's quite a few of you this yeah. year. It's not usually that many. As a team, like, was it quite diverse? Like, yeah. Um, no, it's a, it's a, it's a real, um, mixed bunch. So, like, d- do you want me, do I go through that? Go for oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got Davey, who's, um, everyone knows him as a Udi guy. He's just like, he's so, he's so smart. And like, sometimes he just, you know, he'll have a bit where he sits there and then he'll just come in with like, he'll say something that just summarizes the exact problem. He just like articulates it exactly. Um, Sabri just like knows his numbers, knows his shit. He just like, he just goes in for it and like, um, and then, Cat is the benevolent mermaid that She's she calls amazing, herself. She's amazing, isn't she? And um, we had this ongoing joke that she tries to put AI in everything, and it's <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, we were like, sometimes when the pictures come in, I'm like, so how is she going? And it's like a food product or like underwear or something. I'm like, how is she going to put AI in this? But she finds a way. <laughs> she really, she really finds a way. And honestly, Robert is just like the best he's amazing so anyway it's it's i love the crew and like what i loved about it was i i thought everyone would go off um like in between the pictures because sometimes they're they could be like an hour long just setting up the um the set for for the business pit for the entrepreneurs and so it everyone's actually just hanging out in the green room, talking, getting to know each other, chatting about the previous pitches and investments um you know, I thought everyone would just go off into their own rooms and they'd be so busy that we, they will be working. And then because we filmed over the space of two weeks, mm. actually in between that weekend in between, Robert invited us all to his house. It's a beautiful <laughs> house on the beach. Um, and yeah, he invited everyone, invited their families. We got to meet everyone's families. It was so nice. You guys are like a Shark Tank's family. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. Actually, that green room. So I was lucky enough to go into that green room. Firstly, the snacks. The snacks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The snacks are next level in that green room. But also what I found really interesting was, and I don't know if anyone knows this, but you genuinely go in blind when those pictures come out. You have no idea what's about to happen. No idea. Yeah. I love that. Because you genuinely are going in, hearing a pitch. It's none of it is edited. No. Yeah. And seeing it for the first time. Um, and it's, yeah, sometimes you just, um, so you have that first moment where you see everything and, um, you'll see us like trying to guess what it is. Sometimes we're, we're way off, but, um, yeah, it's, and it's, it really, when the entrepreneur then comes in and explains that it, it sometimes just takes it to a whole new level. It's so, it's so cool. It was actually, I, I know I keep saying it and I probably shouldn't because no one else has probably afforded this opportunity to get to go watch it, but it is really cool to see how it was done. And also the nerves of the people, like there's no way I could pitch to you. I yeah. have nothing to pitch to you firstly, but there is no way that I could pitch to you. And these people, they're putting their whole businesses. Whole business, yes. And you don't realize, I remember when my um, kids came to set with my husband um, and it, so Producer Gemma puts on um, Baby Shark and we're there just like singing Baby Shark, the kids running around, we're running around. And then the entrepreneurs in the back, like his whole life is like riding on it. I've spoken to him since then. He was like, that was, I was so freaking nervous. Like just, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope that you guys invested because otherwise Baby Shark would not only be the most irritating song in history but would also I hold such a... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Haunt his absolute dreams. Yeah. How horrible. <laughs> no, it is. It's such a cool vibe, like, I think. And also just even the clothes that you wore. Actually, I'm dying to know, and I didn't ask you this, but were you wearing Shopo? Yes. I have a Shopo <laughs> outfit, but, oh, my God. So in my head, I don't know how I didn't know this, but... um. Uh, in my head, I thought I would be one of those shows that, you know, the one of those shows with a live judging panel and then every week they come in with this extravagant outfit like, wow, how do I have different hairstyles for like <laughs> eight weeks? And then they're like, no, it's the one outfit. It's the one look so that it can be um, shuffled around and edited accordingly. Because you wouldn't want to have like a whole episode where everyone just gets rejected or yeah. everyone gets a deal, which makes sense. Yeah. So it's the one outfit, but it is Shopo. <laughs> Long story short, yes. it is Shopo, everybody. So, so if you want shop. this, if you when you see it, it's a gorgeous suit. How many countries does Shopo go to? Um, like a hundred ish. I don't know. Okay, exactly. just <laughs> I don't remember anymore. Just casually, it goes to a hundred ish countries. I am actually so fascinated by this journey with Shopo. Like I'm, I, it to me, it is a lifesaver. Oh, like, yes. and I guess this is what you're looking for in pictures because mm. you're looking for something that people like need mm. and they want, and generally it's solves like a problem. It solves yeah. a problem. Yeah, is that what you're looking for when you're seeing these pictures? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, they need to. The first thing you need to do in your elevator pitch is articulate what the problem is. And then how does your product solve it? Oh, yeah. And then you want to use any kind of like social proof or like market validation. So what have you actually sold? And because I think, you know, you need to show that people actually want this stuff because sometimes it's, you know, especially where it's not my area of expertise and I'm not the customer, like that needs to be explained. And I think sometimes, you know, where entrepreneurs can get lost is focusing too much on the product development without the market validation. Like if there's no one to that actually wants it, because, you know, if you have, ultimately you need sales to drive the business mm. and then you need marketing to drive those sales. And then as your business grows and develops, then you've got time to then improve the product. So at the moment we've got 5,000 styles and we design about 80% of them ourselves. And so, which being, so they're, they're being unique. Um, but then when I first started, it was 30 products of another of another brand's uh, products. So you have to, it's a journey. And only by selling those 30 products, 30 styles, then you start to get more styles, build out a range. And then you start to hire a product developer or a designer. You start to, it's like, it's a journey. But the first thing you need is to actually make sales so that you have a journey. Before we touch on that a little bit more, I just, there was one thing that you were talking about um, in terms of like getting investments, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> One thing that really shocked me was that this is actually all of your money. Yes. <laughs> My husband <laughs> reminds me of that. Yes. He's but, like, you're uh, not shopping. <laughs> <laughs> you're literally shopping for businesses yeah. out of your own business pocket yes. or out of your own pocket. Yeah. That really, really surprised me. And I mean, because the magic of TV, like how would you know? But this is you spending money so what were you personally looking for in a business um 
Apart from all of that amazing jargon that I would never be able to repeat. Yeah, I mean, I and, and honestly, like, he, I'll tell you what I'm looking for, but then I definitely invested in businesses that didn't fit those criterias as well. So yeah. for me, um, because I understand a product business, a product econ business, um, I thought that that's kind of where it's my specialty and also where I can see myself giving value so that I'm not dumb money. I'm not just putting money in and that's it, where yeah. I could actually... Um, use my experience, um, to actually give that business that step up. Um, but that being said, I definitely invested in like other types of businesses. Um, <laughs> which was explaining that to my husband also. He was like, you did what? <laughs> um, Your poor husband like, just having a heart attack every single day you walk oh off God, set. I know. And then like, I get home. So sorry. I'll, I'll come back to the businesses because sometimes they're, they're, early starts because um the girls have to do me and Kat have to do make hair and makeup at six o'clock or we get picked up at 6 a.m and some days it ended at like 8 30 and then I'm like I come home I'm like I'm not redoing the pitch it's just <laughs> I'm not re-pitching to my husband I've already had enough pitches today I'm not going on the other side you just I'm sorry we're just gonna have to we're now in the we're now in this business too now <laughs> We're diversifying across industries. You're going to be a media corporation before you know it. That's so, so, so funny. But back to Shopo, I mean, you started in a garage which with 30 Mm. styles, like you said. Mm. This blows my mind. Now you have a $100 million business. Yeah, I... It blows my mind. And you're my age. (laughs) So you're making me feel very, very unaccomplished right now. But how on earth did you get from garage to 30 styles going, because it was a pop-up shop, Mm -hmm. and then how did you get to where you are now? Because this is is mind-boggling. So, oh, my God. So I think, God, how do I? (laughs) Um, So I think the initial stages was we grouped because of social media. Like it was 2010, the big traditional retailers didn't believe in social media. People didn't do social media. And I had just been spending the last few years addicted to Facebook and people were like, <laughs> oh, you're such a nerd. But then <laughs> I actually then used Facebook to grow the business organically. Um, and then once, you know, that that kind of gave that that first lift. And then I think then it was investing in more stock because the more stuff you have, the more stuff you sell to an extent. Like I feel like you need to be, you know, you don't want to be overstocked because that's worse. Because if you all your money sitting in stock, then you can't spend it on marketing. Yeah. Anyway, so then I feel like the next phase was probably then really nailing digital marketing. Um, spanning with ads. If you've seen the show pro ad, that's probably yeah. <laughs> that's us doing that. That's helping us scale. And then investing in people. Um, I think oh, knowing I that, that like what your blind spots are and then feeling getting people to fill in those gaps. Um and yeah, I think we have one really easy motto at work um, and it's just do more of what works. Oh, I love that. I saw on your Instagram and I loved this and I didn't even know this was a competition, but you actually give away, like somebody will buy something on Shopo and then you go into the warehouse and pack them an entire outfit. Yeah, and then we've just done different combinations. We'll give them like sometimes they'll buy something and we just add in extra styling pieces or we go through our tagged photos. So I love tagged photos because it's someone who's so excited about what they're wearing in Shopo that they want to show it to all their friends. Just a little story. Back before Instagram had tag photos, and you know how sometimes now that integrates into websites and all that, way before Instagram, I used to, back on Facebook, 
We used to ask customers to send us their photos via email and then we used to download them and repost them into Facebook albums and we called it Stop Spot It and Show Pro. Like we did that back then manually to really bring customers into the community and now it's just a simple little tag. So anyway, when customers, <laughs> we just go through our tag photos and we're like, let's give her some, oh, she's gotten engaged. Let's give her like something for one of all these wedding events that end up cost like maybe like a bridal shower or something. So um, and then there's other ones where someone comments on one of those videos and like, oh my God, I would just cry if I could win something like, let's give her something. So we just kind of, um, it's, it's fun. You're like Santa. Yes, I feel like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're literally like Santa. I love that because that just shows that you care about your customer. Mm, yes. And I, I, I love that. It's the surprise and delight element. It's not just like intro competition. It's like, thank you for, being a loyal customer. Do you have your finger in every single part of the business? My husband now works in the business and we, and he is just the smartest person I know. I think it was actually in our wedding vows. I'm like, thank you for um, carrying my books and doing my homework. <laughs> Cause I feel like, I mean, I never in high school had a high school boyfriend that was like that, but I'm like, you know, now I've got this guy who's just like, we'll go to, and literally, I kind of was joking at the time, but since then, we literally go to work together. I'm like, I've got a big bag of stock you can carry for oh me. And then like all the boring <laughs> stuff he does, like, even though I used to be an accountant, he does all the finance. He's a CFO. Tech. Oh my God. I, I've been through like five or four website migrations. Now he does all of tech. I, I just don't honestly. It's so boring. I'm sorry. We sorry love him. Tech team. No, 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 no. We love him. He sounds amazing. Yeah. And he does like, he, yeah, it, how, it's great. How did you meet him? We met. And where can I find one? No. Well, I met him on exchange in Sweden, but he's oh. from Brisbane. He's from Brisbane. Get so. out. Yeah. And so, and so you met him on exchange in, in, like 13, in, in Brisbane. Like 14 years ago. In Sweden. 14 years ago. Yeah. So he technically is like a childhood sweetheart a little bit I teenage young adult sweetheart yeah he was like 20 when I met him I can't believe it because I feel like I always thought that I would have a more exciting dating life in my <laughs> 20s but that's okay <laughs> wait is he younger than you he yeah he's two years younger because I I had uh, lost well I was kind of like in the serious relationship um and then I had a job at KPMG at Ernst Young KPMG so I had this kind of had my career all like lined up and then also had a serious boyfriend and then and it was actually my ex-boyfriend he's this like European guy that came in and he's like started talking about travel and like starting a business and I was like oh I'm not that interested in travel traveling I'm not that interested in starting a business and then like throughout as I started dating him I guess he like it got in my head and to the point where I was like actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to break up and then I'm going to go and go on exchange. So I did it really late at the very last semester and I extended my like uni. Anyway, so I went as like the oldest person on exchange kind of thing. <laughs> Mature age student yeah. going on exchange. I yeah, love yeah. that for you. Yeah, <laughs> That's amazing. That changed your entire life. Yeah, because when I came back from being overseas, like it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but I think being overseas, like not just like, not just traveling and going to like, um, Positano for four weeks, like actually going and just being immersed in a different experience. You kind of like question the way things are done. Cause you're like, Oh my God, there's so many more ways than just what you know 
as the status quo. So when I came back, I kind of looked at my, because all I wanted growing up was to have job and financial security because my parents, my parents and I immigrated from China when I was eight. And so, you know, we just wanted that job security. Mm. And so I was so excited to have gone the jobs with the big four accounting firms. But then when I came back, I looked at the, these, these jobs as more like a sentence, like, I'm trapped in this career that I'm not excited about. And like, could this, is this really the rest of my life? So it kind of like became the traveling became the catalyst to like, you know, wanting to leave my career and start a business. So yeah, like that all happened. When you went to uni to do accounting, did you already know at that stage? I didn't know what accounting was. I honestly didn't know. I went for this job. My mom was like, hey, at KPMG, you can get this, um, you can go get a job when you're fresh out of high school. And I was like, oh my God, get a job, wear a suit, have a job security, blah, blah, blah. And I loved it because then we were doing Friday night drinks and like I went to a single sex school. So now it's like co-ed. And then like, I was like, this is fun. Like we had just like, there was just always like so much, it was just so much more fun, actually. I had more fun working those first few years than high school. Yeah. Um, because we were like, yeah, just <laughs> walk. I'm loving wearing a suit in the city with with money and some money. Now I know where all the suits come yeah. from on Shopo. Yeah. Well, actually, we started our um, workwear range because I was like, we need a cheaper solution than Q, and I love Q, but like, we love I Q, couldn't yeah. afford it. Couldn't afford it at the time, no. so we needed, needed a cheaper solution. What I love is that you just found something that you loved and just ran with it and you went you know it doesn't matter what I was doing before I'm gonna go now and do this Mm. yeah and look at the the risk paid off yeah and I think it has to be so often it's like when you have to do it when you're uncomfortable because once you finally work your way up and you're comfortable by it it's too late like it's it's like, you know, those people that got in and did TikTok when it was like really naff and you're like, ah, oh, it's it was really weird. It's like, and now all these people are like, okay, I'm ready to do a TikTok. But it's like, no, like it's it's too late to just start now. You know, like it's not yeah. too late, but it's not like <laughs> not the reach you had back then. It's all about doing it when you're uncomfortable. What have you struggled with as being a woman in, in business? I guess initially not as much when you're first starting because you're just kind of like sitting behind your computer and trying to do it all. And you don't, it's actually probably easier than going corporate because when I went corporate, it was so clearly that you can see a glass ceiling and maybe even like a back then, like 14 years ago, a bamboo ceiling as well. Mm. Um, and so I feel like having your own business is actually easier in that respect. I think it's a lot harder for businesses that need to get funding because then they have to pitch to, for a woman, often pitch like a female, potentially female product marketing to like a female customer yeah um pitching that to male vcs and investors like that could be really hard because i do remember trying to like go for this award thing and trying to explain why showpro work (laughs) showpro is special and why social media is important and they just didn't get it and they didn't understand and i sometimes when you're doing it it's hard to articulate what you're doing Mm. i I didn't have a strategy now i look back i'm like okay that's now i I can articulate it but when you're in the thick of it you can't um i think the other thing is probably like sometimes i don't want to turn this into like a like a men versus women thing necessarily no it's interesting sometimes like i think when i sometimes i can work with men who have 
who are so sure of them th- themselves and have ego and maybe uh, women too, but I, in my experience, it's been men. Yeah. I don't actually, even now, sometimes I find myself, it's hard to back myself and to even assert myself. And so I know if that's hard for me, how much, and I'm an outgoing person and I'm an assertive yeah. person, how hard it is for someone else. And I can, if I'm talking to someone who's very egotistical and very assertive, I can second guess myself. Wow. And can I can sometimes back down as well. So has that in any way ever hindered your business? Definitely. So I'm like kind of learning. I've learned that the hard way. Yeah. That's so scary that that's still the case though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because then if you then are really assertive, it's so interesting. And this is, I mean, when it's not the men versus women thing, but it's like this is this is true. Like this is an actual factual thing. Mm. Like if we as women are assertive, we're known as a bitch or yeah. we're, you know, we're difficult. Exactly. And so it's it's better to kind of back down in yeah. some cases. And also if someone is so sure of something and you're just, I feel like in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm 95% sure. <laughs> and then you're go, you're like, oh, well, there, you know, like, it I makes just you question yourself. It, yeah. And I, and the hardest thing is, you know, when I was going through it, I was also thinking that, cause these are people that work for me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how is that? How, how does your team that reports up to you? How do they deal with that? Cause if you, if, if I'm finding this interaction hard, Wow. Anyway, lessons learned. Yeah, I mean, that's all part of the business, the whole thing, isn't it? It's part of your journey. I mean, 13 years, I can't believe that you said before that Show Post started in 2010 because if you think about it, that's only 13 years. That is rapid growth. Yeah. Do I sound like I I know what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Just just looking around the room, just asking if I sound like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) All right, yes, yes. The the room is smiling. But, like, you know when people say, like, 20 years ago, don't you think it's, like, 1980? Right, I know, because we're we're 90s kids, I know, I know. And then there's, like, girls at work who are, like, 27 that I feel like, oh, I'm, like, I'm I'm around your age, and then I'm, like, oh, my God, I'm 10 10 years years older. older. I know, I get that all the the time, honey. You're an 86 baby, right? Me too. When's your birthday? May. (gasps) So Are you Gemini? Yes. Of course. <gasps> me too. <Yay>! <laughs> that makes a lot of sense yeah. with this conversation, let me tell you. <laughs> Rapid growth. Like that is a that is very, 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 very quick time. Would mm. you, is that right? Yeah, or am I, I so. And that we've up? done it organically um, without investors. Um, yeah. So I think it's, we want to, you know, it's, it's all our eggs in the basket. So we've done it, you know, we want to do it in a sustainable way. Like I'm not, we're not trying to chase growth. Actually, well, but uh, kind of, <laughs> kind of you want growth, but we, I know what you I th- mean. Yeah. I think also now with kids, you know, you, you just a bit more sensible. Yeah. And also with COVID, you're like, okay, you've got to be, you got to be really safe. Anything can happen, you know, like, so don't want to chase growth for the sake of it, but obviously that's, we're always trying, we're always growing the business. Yeah. So you have two kids, which I said to you before that I was completely in shock by because I didn't realize, I think I've always just seen you as this businesswoman, which I don't know if is a good thing or a bad thing, (laughs) but I've completely missed that you had two children. But two kids and running this business plus doing Shark Tank, I mean, how do you manage it? Um, oh, well, I'm very lucky that they sleep really well. <laughs> they they actually do. So that's amazing. There was a point when, when um, Rosalie, the second was born, they were both sleeping until like 8.30, 9 a.m. 
Because we go, they go to bed late at eight thirty, nine o'clock. So it's like we we've shifted their beds. That's kind of clever. People say you can't do it. Like I've read books that say you can't shift their clocks over. I'm like, of course you can. Like how do you go to a different country and like what you know? Like anyway, so <laughs> we did that. So that was brilliant. And then also we um yeah just oh and like even this morning. One of them got up at 5.30 and uh, my, my husband took him out. I'm, I'm like, I've got interviews and podcasts today, so you're going to have to just do it. So just, yeah. Is that- it just sounds like I get my husband to do everything. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's teamwork. It's teamwork. What's your husband's name? James. Shout out to well, James. Yeah. <laughs> but do your kids, especially your three-year-old, I mean, do they understand kind of what, do they, do you think they're going to understand the TV aspect? I mean, Rosalie probably won't, but the three-year-old. Oh, um, I showed Lockie, the three-year-old, the advert and he's like, oh, I, I was like, look, I told you I was Mummy Shark because we're always seeing sharks. Mummy Sharks, and I'm, and I'm like, he's Lockie Shark, I'm Mummy Shark. And he's like, oh, you're, you are Mummy Shark, but not with big teeth. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. I'm not going to get that song out of my head now. Oh, my God. So you got you call yourself Mummy Shark. Yeah, I, I went, and I always did. This is so I, meant to be. Lucky manifested it for me. I think so. I think so. I mean, that's so exciting. I mean, what kind of life do you want to give these kids? Oh, I just want them to, like, not be jerks. You know, like... <laughs> I know. I sound like okay, I know they're going to be smart, and I know they can't. They'll they'll be successful. I just want them to be good people. Yeah, because like totally. I'm not. Oh my god, I'm like I don't want to be like like he's three, and but at the start of the year, like at the end of last year, so like eight nine months ago, he like knows the planets. You know, like he's he t- he taught me what the dwarf planets were like, and like. He what can are dwarf count, He can like <laughs> they're dwarf planets in Chinese. Like it's just like. So I know they're going to be fine and he's just the most outgoing little dude. I just want them to be good people and not be jerks because I think that's the only way that we can fuck them up. I love- <laughs> I actually love that. I do have a, one more question. Um, if there was any advice that you could give yourself when you were starting out in that garage, what advice would you give? Um, I would tell myself to just back myself more. Don't worry about what other people think. Cause I think at the time I was really embarrassed that my first business failed. Um, I guess it's good to have a little bit of that to give you that fire to just really want to prove people wrong. But I think I was just, yeah, I was in a, I was very, oh, just, yeah, really sad about the business failing and just really, um, Worry, worried about the future, that all that stuff. I just would tell myself to relax a little bit and then, you know, actually I did enjoy the ride. I don't know. <laughs> I guess with hindsight, it's like, it'll all work out. It'll be okay. Of course. Um, yeah, just just back yourself more. Do you think yeah. your kids are going to follow in your footsteps? Lockie oh sounds like he will. So he he has his little shirt. You know when you fold up your shirt and then oh, sometimes on the men's, oh, maybe women's shirt, there's a little thing that where you can button it up to keep your shirt folded up. So he was wearing like this little like cool shirt and then he was like, I think it was a little bit cold. He wanted to fold it down, but he couldn't pull it down because of the button. It was buttoned. And then we're like, no, Lockie, just keep it up. It's fashion. And I have this one minute video of him saying, I don't want fashion. I don't like fashion. And then, well, I'm, and I'm like, 
but you know fashion like the family business he's like no i don't want and he's getting <laughs> snotty by this point just like covered in snot and tears and now it's like he thinks fashion means things rolled out so like <laughs> so if you have if you rub his hands it's like no fashion no <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes <laughs> I mean, it might not be fashionable, but it'll probably be very, very, very successful by the sounds of it. Oh, I I hope so. And not a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you so much for coming in. This has been oh, so much so fun. fun. Thanks so much for having oh, me. I wish I could do it's longer. So I'm so glad. <laughs> this has been awesome. I cannot wait to watch every single episode of Shark Tank because I know it's going to be amazing. I mean, you're just you're oh, incredible. You won't be disappointed. It's pretty awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I'm Sabri Subi and I am on the hit TV show Shark Tank Australia. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much. Look at your cool setup. I love it. It's pretty rustic. I'm just here in the office today. I know. You're really, you are rustic. Are you in Melbourne, right? I am, yeah. Oh, cool. Have you got the beautiful weather like we do? I do. Spontaneous. It's crazy. I'm like so happy that spring's just around the corner and we're going to be in the good weather. How good. How good. Well, what else is just around the corner is, of course, Shark Tank. This is so, so cool. I'm so thrilled and excited for this next season, but not as thrilled and excited as you must be feeling. Yeah, it's exciting. It's definitely, I feel that like we're, we're certainly shaking it up with a new cast of the, that we've got. And I think that, you know, we're really going to show like the next wave of, of entrepreneurs. Like if you look around the Shark Tank worldwide, it's just a very different genre to like the eclectic group that we've put together, um, on, on the tank. And I think that, you know, all of the expertise that we kind of have around the digital space, how brands are grown these days on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. Um, I think it's the viewers are in for a certain treat. I actually love what you said about the marketing on the Facebook and the TikTok and, and the Instagrams and all of that, because the last Shark Tank that we had, it, TikTok wasn't even around. No, it's been a while. Yeah. And there's like things change so quickly in the, in, in the digital space in general. And it's like, unless you have your finger on the pulse of those things, then you're not really on the pulse of how businesses are grown today because there are people starting up TikTok pages and growing them. You know, I was reading about a peanut butter company that scaled to $500,000 a month in sales purely through viral TikTok videos. Um, so it's like the, 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 the game of business has certainly changed the way that it was done, you know, even a year ago to three years ago has dramatically changed. So I think that it's, it's a very exciting time to, to be operating in this space. And I think that the people that we had coming in the tanks certainly show that. That's so cool. I can't believe they made $500,000 from TikTok. Selling peanut butter. <laughs> like what, what did they do? Oh my God. I must see this. What company is that? Can you tell me? Yeah, I, I, I'll find the name of it and shoot it to you. But yeah, there's there, there's endless there's endless stories like that of people. There's a girl called the XL lady who I, I think she does. The last time I heard, she was doing like multiple millions a month selling Excel courses through TikTok videos. Oh, Excel, like is in yeah, Microsoft Excel? Yeah, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> I think I remember that though when I went on set. I was like, why don't I? Why am I not thinking of something that I can sell? Like this is so surely brilliant. you got something to pitch me. <laughs> yeah, myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before we talk about, I do want to talk about the cast, and I do want to talk about all of that because it is such an eclectic bunch, like you said. 
I do want to talk about how you got involved, though, because Jane Lou told me the most hilarious story about how she got involved. But how did you get involved? Yeah, um, I actually just got a a random phone call, and I, I, I was first of all they. I won't name the individual, but they slid into the DMs on Instagram. And then I got a call to the office and it was very vague and mysterious of like, hey, we want to speak to Subri about being on a primetime television show. And I get so many random solicitations and just like people showing up to the office and all all kinds of random things that I never know. Like I just basically think that everything is some level of kind of a scam or something that is questionable going on. So I thought, I didn't think much of it, to be honest. And then that person called the office. They got in contact with me on every kind of social media platform um, and wouldn't give out any details to my assistant. So I basically agreed to to jump on a call. And that was when they told me what they had in mind. Um, and then I was naturally interested. I'm, I've been a fan of the show since like, you know, I've been watching that show for years, like 10, 15 years. So I was like, yep, I'm, I'm keen to hear more. And then, you know, the, the conversations went, went, you know, back and forth for a while. And here we are. It actually shows how savvy you are as a business owner, thinking that that was a scam because Jane, exactly the same. That is exactly the story that she told me. She thought it was a joke. She didn't think it was real. Yeah, like you just like you get like there's just so many scams out there all the time. Hey, we want to put you on the cover of this magazine. You've won this award. You just have to pay this small fee and we will include your company in the list of the fastest growing companies and blah, blah, blah. Like it's you. You never know who's coming at you. that happens I mean I know us normal people get we get scammed all the time like emails I get a lot of I don't know if I should tell you this actually your Instagram your Instagram bio has internet daddy and so I think I can tell you this story yes but I (laughs) I always get like sugar daddies sliding into the DMs I'm sure you do I get sugar mamas I know all about that life so (laughs) Have you considered it? No, no, no. I'm just joking. I'm, I'm a married joking. man with three children. <laughs> that is what the internet daddy is. That yeah. is not, it has nothing to do with being a daddy daddy. It's the internet daddy. No, I love that. No, I have considered it personally because I don't have a multi-million dollar business. <laughs> I heard you can make sure a good living scared. with pick, yeah. pick, pick fitch, um, feet pictures these days. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so true. I have nice feet. No, I can't speak. I have nice feet also. <laughs> that's, that's your pitch. But with you personally, let's, let's, we digress. Let's go back to Shark Tank. Took us down a little turn there. I know, but I loved it. It was, it's truly, it's truly why I love these chats. But why do you, what do you think you personally are going to bring to the table for Shark Tank this year? Um, I think that if you look, my expertise really lies in the digital space, right? I've got hundreds of clients in, you know, multiple different countries all around the world. And all I do all day long is like, look at the unit economics of like, what makes up a business? Like, how do you grow a business? Is it best to grow them on Facebook? Is Google going to be the best play? Is it SEO? Like, what is the, the strategic play to grow this business? And not just about my opinion or what I think, you know, my com- company has generated $7.8 billion in sales for our clients. We've spent more than $100 million on ads. So like, we are in the 
weeds every single day, like dissecting this stuff, not just like from my own business, but literally for hundreds of clients in 136 different countries around the world. So I think that when I'm able to easily size up a business very, very quickly and get a pulse read on what the performance is like, not just what the entrepreneur is telling me, but what it is actually like based on what return on ad spend are they getting? How much is it costing them to acquire a customer? How much are each customer's worth to them? Um, and I'm able to just dive into the weeds very, very quickly. And I just, I guess, cut the bullshit in a lot of situations and find out what's real. So I'm assuming you did that with the pictures. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. J- J- like at one, I never forget at one point, Jane was like, look, I am an, I'm an Asian accountant and I thought I was the numbers girl, but you are, you are, you know, scrutinizing these entrepreneurs on their numbers hard. So yeah, like I, you know, I, I love a story. Don't get me wrong. Um, I love, I get wrapped up in the heat of a pitch, but at the same time as well, you know, these conversations can go on for like, as you saw firsthand for multiple hours. Right. And it's very difficult sometimes to celebrate, like to separate the signal from the noise and the numbers allow you to do that, right? It just allows you to cut down just straight to the bare bones, brass tacks of what is actually going on in this business. Cause everyone's got a story. There's always so much involved, but nothing speaks the truth like the numbers. So that's interesting. So you get sold initially on their story sometimes. Yes. Can you see right through a story though? Can you say like, I know that that sounds really weird, but if someone pitches you a story, can you tell if it's, if it's real or not? You can't, you can't until you get to the numbers, right? Like a story, there's nothing like the power of a good story, right? Like that's just like, you can take somebody that has like a mediocre business and even though, and their numbers don't even have to be amazing, but if that entrepreneur is a phenomenal storyteller and takes mm. you on a journey. It's like, it's the, it's the most oldest form of communication that there is in the world storytelling. So like you, you get wrapped up in those moments. And then that's when the, you know, the discipline of the business mind needs to come in and just be like, okay, like, where are we at? Like, what do the numbers look like? How much of these things have you sold? Like there was so many pictures that would go on for such a long period of time and you'd be wrapped up in the story and it would be 25, 30 minutes in. And you'd be like, I haven't even asked this person how much sales that they've got. <laughs> so, yeah. You're human too. You're allowed to be wrapped up in the stories. That's what, yeah. that's what makes us human, you know. But I know specifically the one that I saw, which I don't want to give too much away, but the one that I saw, there was a beautiful backstory. But in the end, it fell apart with the numbers. So, you're so right. It's, it's, so, it's so hard. Like, if they don't have the proof, then they don't have a product, really, do they? Yeah. And it's difficult because there were a lot of very moving and touching pitches that came into the tank and where you really feel for them and you really listen to their story and you empathize with them. And you're like, man, like this person just needs a break. Like they, they need some kind of help. And there is like a very fine moment where you, you kind of need to ask yourself, like, Emotions aside, based on this current situation, from a business standpoint, would you invest in this this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it difficult because it's not the charity tank, it's the shark tank. Like we're there, right? 
to multiply our money. I've worked incredibly hard. You know, I grew up with nothing. I, I watched my mom hold down, sing, like as a single parent mother, hold down three jobs to raise me and my children. So the, the money, like, you know, we're not just giving that out. Like it has to make sense. There's a lot of charitable stuff that I do, which is giving out money. But when you're in the tank, and you're looking at business investments, you know, you have to stay disciplined. Otherwise, you just basically will get into a situation where you're just giving away all your money. <laughs> well, this is something, and I spoke about this with Jane as well, but this is something that really shocked me was that you are investing your own money. And that is something that I think is just really not widely known. Yeah, it's everyone goes under the assumptions that the network gives us some kind of monopoly money, right? So we're not paid to be on the show. It's all our own money. We don't know anything about these entrepreneurs more than you did when you came and watched one of the pitches. That's all we know. We don't know anything else, right? And we've got a very short amount of time to get down to to the real situation of like, hey, I'm actually going to be writing a check to this person. Like, I need to know where we stand with everything. What pitches stood out to you this season? Give me some cliff notes if you can. I can't give you any spoilers. No spoilers, um, but just any, any, any like, you know, generalized kind of pitches that stood out to you. Yeah, there was, there was one gentleman who had a very touching story. Um, he was selling a product to do with feet. Um, that's all I can go into. He wasn't selling pictures of his feet. It was to do with feet. Okay. Let <laughs> me just clarify that. I was like, that. wow, that came full circle. Um, but that was, that was a great pitch. There was, there was some phenomenal ones. There was a very good food one that I'm a little bit regretful that it didn't turn out the way that maybe I wanted it to. Um, but yeah, we had from skincare products to, you know, orthopodic, orthotic insoles. We had food. There was so, there's such a wide variety of entrepreneurs and we really weren't told anything, right? We, I just remember after like the second day of shooting, I was like, man, this is a very high caliber of businesses that are coming in here. I didn't expect it to be like this. Um, I thought there was going to be like, I didn't think it was going to be that high quality all the way along. Like I thought like, okay, they must have stacked all the good ones in the first couple of days. And then they're going to give us like a couple of like low quality ones. But no, they were all very, yeah, there was, there, there was some very impressive people in there from all different walks of life, selling everything that you can imagine. That's, that's the whole thing. There's, it's really going to be relatable because it's not just, oh, it's just e-commerce businesses or it's just fashion or it's just food. It's like we had no idea who was walking in that door, what, it, what was going on. I find it so interesting that you had lower expectations and not in a negative way, but you just kind of, it's almost as though you kind of expected them to be businesses that were really foundling. Is that the word? Um, well, it's more so it's like when you like the Australian business ecosystem is naturally not as evolved as like America, right? Or as, as the UK, like it's just, there's 60 million small businesses in the US and there's 2 million in Australia. So just by the sheer, the sheer volume of numbers, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're a lot smaller. However, what has happened over the last, you know, five years as Australian businesses, we really punch above our weight with innovation, with creativity, with the way that we do businesses. Um, and that just shone through like that. 
it was like the last three years, we didn't really see a lot of that, right? With everything that's been going on with lockdowns and there was obviously no show and all of that jazz. But yeah, I was just very blown away by the quality of the entrepreneurs. I know Robert, you know, he's obviously been on Shark Tank in the States mm-hmm. for 15 years. He's been doing it in Canada for a long time. He was even like, this is like, I didn't expect Australian businesses to be so innovative. So it wasn't just through my lens. A lot of the other sharks shared that same opinion where it was like, wow, these, these are very impressive entrepreneurs. That's actually really exciting, isn't it? It It shows the growth in our country. Yeah, it does. And it shows that like as as a nation, like with anything, like I and when you watch the Olympics and you think, oh, like, you know, there's 20, 26 or 28 million of us here and we we represent ourselves well. Like we punch well beyond our weight for the small population that we've got. Yeah. In terms of an unsuccessful pitch, what made any of the pitches unsuccessful besides the books? I think First of all, the entrepreneurs not really understanding the weight of the moment that they're standing in and potentially not giving the platform the respect that it deserved. There was a a few people that kind of left a few little snide remarks, which we certainly put them in their place, to say the least, um, where... You know, it's you you need to understand that this is a huge moment and it's a huge moment for those entrepreneurs. And not only is it a huge moment for them, but they're them getting a spot on the show means that somebody else that really needed the money didn't get a spot. So if you come in there and you don't one, know your numbers, right? And two, you you don't really respect that situation by being prepared enough and respecting the people that are standing in front of you, then it's just a disservice to everybody, right? And I think that you can tell when somebody did not put the time into their preparation and they didn't think through all the angles or the line of questioning that we would be answering and saying, right? Asking them. And so if you're, if you're unable to, to do that, it's like, well, why not? Like you have this platform, you don't know your numbers. That's one way things can go astray. There was a few of those and those people got a reality check very, very quickly. Um, and then I think the other people where things don't go astray is, they naturally, unfortunately, let the nerves get the better of them. Mm. And they're just, they're very nervous. We obviously try to give those people a moment to collect themselves and to deliver it, but it comes back to story, right? And it comes back to there's a sequence of events to get people into that like peak heat state where they're like, I want to make you an offer, right? And if that goes down quite flawlessly and it's quite a smooth process and there's like a story arc to their pitch, that's when it's like naturally you find yourself like going to your book to like write them a check, right? Yeah. Um, but it's when when you they get too nervous and they get too wrapped up in it and they're unable to articulate what it is that they've got. And they, what we do in journalism called bury the lead. They, they don't, they don't have the lead in there. They lose it all. And you only find it out after like 15 minutes of questioning. Like, why didn't you say that in the pitch? Like, oh, we're only finding out about that now, but yeah. But also, isn't it concerning if they can't pitch to you? Because that means they're probably not ready to be funded or invested in. Look, there is 
like a bit of truth to that. However, it's also a pretty unnatural situation to be in, right? Like I'm being so harsh, aren't I? <laughs> there, there's, a, there's like 160 crew members there. There's like us standing there looking very serious and mm. grilling them on their numbers. And it's a very intense moment, right? It's not like normal, but yeah, it, it does show you're, you're right. Like you just can't help but also judge off that situation. It's like, there's going to be lots of stressful situations in business. There's going to be lots of problems. There's going to be lots of things that you need to solve. And if you're unable to basically conduct yourself in a way that you can get through that stuff, this is just a pitch, right? What's going to happen when we're actually out there in in the real world in doing business and you get put into one of those situations. But I think there needs to be a little bit of empathy. We certainly showed it. We're like, we can't, we, 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 weren't, we weren't like, I can't believe you're doing this. Um, cause it's hard when someone's standing in front of you and they're just ex- incredibly nervous. I mean, I wasn't even pitching to you and I was in the green room with you all. And as I said to Jane, the great stuff. And you were very nervous. For, and I was right? nervous. <laughs> well, it is because also like this is five of you, five of you, five, 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 five yeah. of you that. I've, you know, are all huge leaders in business. I'm, I have not got a business brain to save my life, and it is very intimidating. And but to me, obviously, it was a little bit indif- intimidating in a different way because I'm meeting you all for the first time. It's a, it's a, it was a really small room, but also it, I can completely understand and appreciate when you're putting your heart and soul on the line that it is yep. a really, really intense situation. Does that ever happen to you? Because you, I, I need to get this right. So you are the founder of Australia's fastest growing digital agency, King Kong. Yep. yep. You started with fifty dollars and a laptop. Yeah, that my girlfriend bought me. Thank you, girlfriend. Now, yes, what well, now, wifey? Yeah, okay, <laughs> just double checking. Yeah. Um, but she bought you at the time. But then, how have you had those situations when you were pitching this for investors, or how did this happen for you? Yeah, look, I I came from like I grew up in a small beach town called Byron Bay, and I was I was raised by you just led with Byron Bay. That yeah. was called burying the lead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, it wasn't so popular as when I was growing up there as it is now yeah. with all the celebrities and all the influencers and stuff that live there. <laughs> but um, I was basically raised by a single parent mother. I got like my first job in sales. It was when I was sixteen years old, and I remember that was like a cold hard slap to the face for me because I naturally grew up by the beach and swimming. And then I didn't have a huge amount of exposure to like capitalism and business. And then I was like on the phone, cold calling 300 strangers a day and getting verbally abused for a living pretty much. Um, and so I, I have sold everything that you can imagine, like over the phone, door to door, face to face, one to many, all of it. So the whole thing about a pitch and freezing up, like I am calloused, like I have had had to deal with so much rejection over the years and and cold calling so many people and strangers and asking them for money that this kind of stuff it, it doesn't phase me because it's mm. it's what I know right it's the world that I come from so but they as they say like the best person to the easiest person to sell is a salesperson so I really appreciate a good pitch so when I like it's I am one of those people where it's like yeah I can be very critical but I also a fisherman sees another fisherman from afar, and when you see when you see that person doing a good pitch, you're like, yeah, okay, and you're you're easily sold. Say I wanted to pitch to you right now. What were you? Let's do it. Oh God, no, let's not. 
I should have been prepared with something. You should have. Sell you. No. <laughs> um, but what are your three best tips for selling to you? Well, first of all, you need to come out and make a big, bold statement to grab my attention, right? Depending on what time of the day you're pitching me, but I have been like, you know, sitting in a room getting pitched by lots of people all day long, whether it's in the shark tank or it's just in in my business where I've got, you know, 90 people running around at any given time, always wanting some of my time. Um, You need to come out and you need to shake me up and get my attention by saying some big pattern interrupt that's going to jolt me right into into attention. And then you basically need to come out and tell me what are the big specific benefit that I will receive for listening to you Um, and have some intrigue and some burning curiosity in there. Right. And then make me a very compelling offer that only a lunatic would be able to refuse. <laughs> I love that. Now my yeah. mind's ticking. Oh, can I sell him? <laughs> the other thing is, and it would be silly of me not to talk about your book. It's called Sell Like Crazy, which is yep. fabulous. I loved this. Possibly <laughs> the most controversial marketing and sales book for the general public ever written. Firstly, I, as, as we know, I have nothing to sell you, but I really want to buy this book just because of that. So you sold that to me in the first instance. Secondly, why, why so controversial? Why is this book, why people, must people buy it? Yeah, I think it's just because it's a, a no holds barred book, right? Like I, a lot of people that write books that are like business people, it typically is like, it kind of falls into two genres. One, it's like, it's a thinly veiled sales pitch for like their core business, right? Or it's like a, some self aggrandizing piece for them to go around the country and give lots of speeches, right? For me, it's, it doesn't fall into any of those categories. Like I was in a position where we have way more demand for our services than I'm able to deliver to, to clients. There's a, a constraint around that. And so we turn down literally thousands of businesses every single month that want to hire us that don't have the means to hire us. They just don't have the, 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 the money to pay for our retainers and, and whatnot, or aren't a good fit for what it is that we do. Mm. And I found myself kind of they were saying, oh, like, do you know anybody else? What would you recommend me for to do? I can't work with you guys. What what should I do to go out and grow my business? And I never really felt confident referring people off to to other agencies or consultants or anybody because I wasn't really, I hadn't seen anybody's work that I was proud of. So I thought that I would just basically write a book and give those people like a manual of exactly what it is that they should just go out and do for themselves to grow their business. Um, and that's what I basically did. Um, and since I did that and launched it, like it's gone taken off like a rocket um we've sold hundreds and hundreds of thousands of copies um all around the world we've sold it to you know 136 different countries um and it's yeah so that's basically the whole purpose around it was just creating a book that removed all the like secrets or the the fluffy stuff that people try to tell you and it just gives you the raw truth um and that definitely ruffled some feathers and people being like how can you give all of this away for such like a small price um and that's where all the controversy started is like what's the there's got to be either some hidden agenda or something going on here why would this dude give away all of his secrets and i know by the time this podcast goes to air this will will and truly gone but you did 
you, you're backing yourself so hard with this that you've given away like 10,000 copies for free. Yeah. Well, even, even more than that, like we'd be getting close up to a, around a million copies now. Wait, not for free. Yeah, we, we, we give it away for free. You just have to pay for the shipping and handling. What? That is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, like I, I'm a big proponent that like the amount of value like that you get in your business, i.e. the amount of revenue that you do is directly like correlated to, you know, the, the amount of problems that you can solve for people. So like we, we obviously give that book away. A lot of people take that book and just implement it themselves and go and grow their business. Um, and then that obviously generates a lot of goodwill for us in the marketplace and a lot of proving to people that we can actually help them by actually helping them and being like, you need to check these people out. Like they know what they're talking about and that. That book gets handed to a colleague who are who runs a business and then they want some help and it goes full circle. I think that is so clever. Clever because everyone gets an opportunity. And I think that is the hardest thing in this world sometimes is people just being given the opportunity to be able to do something and know where to start. So claps to you. That's awesome. Great Thank karma you. for you. No, I, I I genuinely mean that. It's actually it's it's awesome. Love that. Now I really want to find something to sell. Okay. <laughs> My final question, because I know you are a busy, busy, busy person. That 16-year-old surfing on the beach uh, in Byron Bay, what advice would you give him knowing what you know now? It would really just be to focus. Um, you know, I started my first business when I was... 22 years old. And, you know, I've run businesses, I've run businesses into the ground, I've sold businesses. And I, I wish that someone would have just sat me down and basically said, it doesn't matter what the business is that you necessarily do, just be the best in the world at that thing. And, and everything else will look after itself. And I suffered early on in my career from you know, shiny object syndrome and thinking that like there were other businesses out there that may have been more lucrative or might have been easier or didn't have any many, as many problems as the businesses that I was running. And then you would run off and your it would divert your attention, right? And you'd go running after this shiny object. And the reality of it is that if you look at really any business in the world, there is a, a use case and somebody that has shown as an example that you can build something that is just monstrous, right? Take something as simple as like sugar, flour, and water and make donuts, right? And then you get companies that are making, you know, billions of dollars selling donuts. You know, there's huge billion dollar donut brands all around the world. It doesn't matter. It just, it all comes down to the execution. Like the ideas are worthless. It's all about the execution. So if I was to sit down with myself, I would just be like, focus, put your head down for three to five years. Don't come up for air. Just work at becoming an absolute master in this discipline and, and solving the problems in this business for your customers better than anybody else can and everything else will look after itself. That's the advice I would give myself. And that's advice that everyone can take as well for any business, for anything that they do. It's really that focus, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it is a superpower is having the ability to focus and naturally it's, you know, it's becoming harder and harder to focus. So there's more things vying for your attention and it only gets worse as an entrepreneur because the the more quote unquote success that you see 
the more distractions that there are and the, you know, the more irresistible that those distractions are. There's someone with this opportunity. What about this opportunity? And you just really need to be very cautious about managing your time and your focus. This has been so cool and you are so awesome. Like this has been, I've learned so much from you just in half an hour, honestly. Terrific. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. No, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for coming on. No, no problems. I'm I'm thrilled to be on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast.